turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. There are incredible truths to, uh, to discover from this part of our Holy Bible. And our theme today is Life Lessons from Joseph. Life Lessons from Joseph. Joseph, of course, is one of the key characters in the Christmas story. And we begin to read in Matthew chapter 1 at verse 18 these words. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man. Isn't that wonderful? Joseph was a good man. May it be said of you and me too, right? Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Verse 20. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he, never, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this part of the Christmas account. And Lord, we just pray that you would open up our minds and hearts to beautiful truths from Joseph, especially in this time together. Open up our minds and hearts, Lord, and, and touch us in accordance with our needs. Help us to know and help us to act and to, to do from what we learn from your Holy Bible today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, my friends, as we think upon Joseph, one of the first truths that came to my mind is this. Read it from the big screen with me. No matter who you are, God may choose to use you for a special purpose. And, and this truth comes to my mind from verse 18, while well, the whole Christmas story but uh, read with me verse 18 in unison. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. What I want us to note is that Joseph was a regular young man. Joseph was, we might say, an average young man. He was not a prince. He was not a king. He wasn't a great governor or a great leader in some other capacity. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 55, tells us, in fact, that he was a carpenter in his day. 
In fact, in that verse referring to Jesus, it says, he's just, referring to Jesus, he is just a carpenter's son. Now, Joseph lived in the town of Nazareth, although his family roots went back to Bethlehem. What I want us to realize is that Joseph wasn't, wasn't the winner. He wasn't the winner of American Idol, nor was he the winner of The Voice in his day. He wasn't the winner of uh, America's Got Talent. He wasn't the winner of The Bachelor. Joseph was Joseph. And there were probably many other young men with the same common name. But God, God chose this Joseph to become the husband of Mary, who as a virgin gave birth to Jesus, the Son of God. Somehow and for some reason, God gave Joseph this special privilege, this special purpose. So here's the point, here's the point. No matter who you are, God may choose you to use you for a special purpose. Amen? In the New Living Translation study notes in my Bible, the Bible scholar says this. He says, social position is of little importance when God chooses to use us. Isn't that beautiful? I want to encourage you, I want to encourage all of us to be open as to how God wants to use you. Be willing to say, I'll say yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. And of course, it wasn't just Joseph who said this. Mary herself said the same thing. It may be, it may be that God wants you to, uh, for example, it may be that God wants to use some of you adults to help in our children's worship department at 11 o'clock services. Perhaps you are the person um, that on some Sunday should be downstairs lovingly welcoming the boys and girls, lovingly recording the arrival of each child, helping the children to listen to the wonderful kids' messages from our children's pastor, Pastor Bria, who communicates God's word to the boys and girls Sunday morning by Sunday morning. And then at the end of the service, you will have the privilege of checking out the little children, that is, marking them off as they're picked up by their mom, dad, grandparents, or some other guardian. And if you are an adult, if you are an adult that would like to serve the children in that capacity, I want you to take that pink sheet, pink sheet, and uh, just fill it out. Give it to me after church, all right? We'll, we'll help you uh, take the Plan to Protect uh, course and uh, do those necessary things with you, and then we'll, uh, we'll have you assigned to minister to the boys and girls with, uh, with Pastor Bria on a regular basis in accordance with your, your schedule. So, you can be used by God in many ways. There are many ways in which the Lord may choose to use you for a special purpose. And as I say this, I want to thank the many of you, the many of you in so many categories that are already being used by the Lord in so many different ways. Thank you to our musicians who serve us week by week on the platform here. Thank you, worship team, for practicing on Mondays to prepare for Sundays 
Thank you, Sunday school teachers, for spending two to five or six hours a week preparing your lesson to teach the boys and girls, the youth, or the adults during our 9.30 to 10.45 teaching time Sunday mornings before the 11 o'clock service. Thank you to those men who arrived at the church Yesterday morning, I don't know exactly what time you arrived, but you probably arrived at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. in the morning to cook breakfast for our men's fellowship, uh, which was wonderful yesterday morning. Thank you to the four or five ladies who were at the church almost every day last week preparing for the marvelous ladies, ladies Saturday morning out, which was attended by about 170 ladies, and a wonderful presentation was made. God bless you. Thank you to our van drivers who pick some of you up every Sunday morning for Sunday school and church and then take you back home. Thank you to our caravan leaders who faithfully teach our boys and girls on Wednesday evenings. Thank you small group leaders for shepherding a group of people through your small group ministry. Thank you to the hundreds of you who filled up the Operation Christmas Child boxes just a, a couple of weeks ago, which will be a great blessing to needy children in, in needy world areas. Thank you to those of you who, who recently made a mortgage fund pledge helping us to pay our monthly mortgage uh, payments. And speaking of that, if, if as yet you haven't made a, a pledge, these, uh, these boxes just happen. They just happen. I don't know how they got here. They just happen to still, be, to still be up here, and you can still put in your mortgage fund pledge in that box, that box, or the box up in the balcony, or the box at the uh, back of the sanctuary. Praise God, those boxes are still here, and some of you are going to give your, your commitment card today. Amen? All right. Thank you. So, my friends, as we look ahead to the Christmas season, may God choose to use you for a special purpose. A purpose maybe that he hasn't as yet used you for. It might be, it might be to help someone, to encourage someone, to bless someone. Could be to pray for someone or just to be a, a friend to someone. No matter who you are, remember now, God may what? God may choose to use you for a special purpose. Say yes, Lord. Yes, I'm available. Amen. Amen. All right. Here's a second beautiful lesson from the life of Joseph, and it is this. Why don't you read it out loud with me from the big screen? When faced with making a difficult decision, act in love and make a choice which reduces someone else's pain as much as possible. Now stick with me and you'll see, you'll see where this comes from. It's right out of verse 19 where the Bible says, Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her that's Mary, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, I want you to think about it. Think with me. When Mary told Joseph that she was pregnant, most likely, knowing that Joseph had not had sexual relations with her, he was probably very upset, very upset, to the extent that he didn't want to go ahead with the wedding. That's what the Bible tells us. 
Now here's a little bit of information about weddings in the first century. Essentially, there were three basic steps in traditional Jewish weddings. Step one, the two families agreed to the marriage between their son and the other family's daughter. All right? That was step one. Step two, a public announcement was made about the couple's engagement. Maybe they put it in the Toronto Star. Just want to see if you're listening, of course. They didn't have the Toronto Star in the first century. All right, but so a public announcement was made about the couple's engagement. And uh, the King James Version of the Bible, which is a translation from the Greek and Hebrew, was done in 1611. And I believe the King James Version says they were betrothed, betrothed, okay? It's not a term we normally use in today's language. And so that's why the New, New Living Translation says they were engaged. So that was step two. The betrothal, the betrothal or engagement period lasted about a year and was similar to engagement today, except that their relationship could be broken. Once they became engaged, their relationship could be broken only through death or divorce, and they were not allowed at that time they were not allowed to have sexual relations. They were also not allowed to live together, all right, in step two. Then there was step three in the marriage process. Step three, the couple was officially married and they could then begin living together at which time they could have sexual relations. Now stick with me. The time when Joseph discovered that Mary was pregnant was in stage two, okay? That's when Joseph discovered that Mary was pregnant. They were engaged or betrothed, but not yet fully married. And it looked, it, it looked like Mary had already been unfaithful to Joseph. I mean, that's what it would have seemed like to Joseph. And this carried a, a uh, severe social stigma, as one author puts it. According to their Jewish laws and customs, Joseph, Joseph had a right to divorce her officially. Not only that, now listen to this, not only that, the Jewish authorities could have had Mary stoned to death. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 23 and 24 talks about that. Having sex before marriage and getting pregnant before marriage was an absolute no-no. That was the situation. So even though, even though Joseph and his family would have been very angry about her apparent unfaithfulness, verse 19, verse 19 says... Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Although Joseph felt he could not go ahead to finalize the marriage, I believe Joseph acted in love by not disgracing her publicly and by breaking the engagement 
quietly. Joseph, in other words, tried to reduce Mary's pain as much as he could. Can you see that? Can you see that? All right? My friends, there will be times, there will be times in your life and mine when you have to make a tough decision, a difficult decision, and when that time comes, act in love. Let's act in love and make a choice which reduces someone else's pain as much as possible. Those situations arise. For example, for example, across the years, sometimes people have uh, told me, or sometimes people have been told by their employer, that their job, their job is going to be phased out. But the employee is sometimes given freedom to go to other job interviews over the next three to four months before their existing position comes to an end. That employer was doing what they could to reduce a person's pain as much as possible. Parents, parents, sometimes you might have to make the difficult decision of disciplining your child or teenager appropriately, not by hitting him or her, not by hitting him or her, but you have to make sometimes a decision to have a serious talk and give appropriate discipline, but don't, don't carry out the discipline in the presence of their friends, as that will probably only get them more upset and cause them to rebel even more. In other words, act in love whether it's your son, daughter, younger child, or teenager, whoever it might be. My friends, this Christmas, this Christmas, when faced with making any kind of a difficult decision, act in love and make a choice which reduces someone else's pain as much as possible. I want you to take a moment is there, something, is there something you need to do in the days or the weeks ahead? It might be a difficult issue, but whatever it is, make a decision to respond in love and reduce someone else's pain as much as possible. Is there an amen in the house? Amen. amen. All right, there's a third truth that comes to my mind as I reflect upon Joseph. <clears throat> Third truth is this. Read it with me from the big screen. Be open to the Lord's guidance in your life. Be willing to obey God and do what is right, even if you don't understand and it is difficult. We learn this to begin with from verse 20. <clears throat> verse 20 says, as uh, he, Joseph, considered this, considered what the angel said, or considered the whole, rather the whole issue of Mary being pregnant, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 24 and 25, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. 
So, stick with me. Verse 20 tells us an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. My friends, at different times in the Bible, it is clear that sometimes God provided guidance to people in a dream. It is possible for God to still, to still occasionally communicate to you or me in a dream. However, however, please remember that most dreams, most dreams come about during a normal sleep time. All right? Sometimes, sometimes maybe your dream came about because you ate too much roti or too much jerk pork or too much oxtail or too much pizza, right? So don't think, don't think that every time you have a dream, God is saying something to you. Don't get caught up with that. Look for God's guidance more often through reading the Bible, through praying, through your conscience, and by sometimes consulting a godly person who cares about you, who loves you, and you ask for their wisdom and their guidance. Joseph was not only open to God's guidance in his life, but he was also obedient to God, as we read in verses 24, 25. You know, it's one thing to be open, <laughs> but it's another thing to do what we know we should do. Isn't it? Right? He was obedient, Joseph was obedient, even though he didn't understand, and he also knew that life was going to be difficult for him and for Mary. Now think about this. How, think about this. How, how could any young man fully understand? Sometimes we don't really think about this stuff, and we need to. How could any young man fully understand that the child within Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit? How could Joseph possibly understand that Mary's baby would save his people from their sins? That would have been mind-boggling for any young man. Do you agree with me? How could Joseph realistically explain to his family and friends and to Mary's family and friends that Mary is still a virgin and that the baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit that Joseph had nothing to do with it? It's tough to explain. Who is going to believe them? That's why I say it was a difficult decision that Joseph made. How are they going to cope with all the gossip and put-downs from the holier-than-thou club? Right? My friends, let us be open to the Lord's guidance in your life, in my life. Uh, as most of you know, I'm not perfect. You can say amen. I'm not perfect. But I've tried over the years, and I'm still trying, I've tried to be open to God's guidance in my life. And truthfully, sometimes it's been hard. It's been hard to understand God's guidance, and it's been difficult on some occasions especially to carry out God's, God's guidance. 
For example, many of you, many of you will remember how in, uh, in the year 2000, that's 16 years ago, most of you don't look any older now than you did in 2000. All right? Back in 2000, we had our first three-year stewardship campaign pledge to help build this new church. How many of you were here back in 2000? Put your hand up. Okay, all right, a lot of you, yes. And at that time, we asked, we asked uh, everyone to please think and pray about what your pledge should be. And my wife and I also sought the Lord's direction. And for that first, for that first three-year pledge, we knew, we knew that my wife and I needed to pledge $100,000. It's not what I would have actually come up with, but that was sincerely what we felt God was directing us to do. We were open to God's guidance. We were willing to obey God, but I could not understand, honestly, I could not understand how we could possibly give $100,000 in the next three years over and above our regular tithes and world missions giving. I knew it was going to be very difficult. I knew it was going to be tough, but praise the Lord, in the next three years, the Lord made it possible for us to give that $100,000 towards essentially what was our building fund to help build this church, right? Then three years later, three years later, we had our second three-year uh, three stewardship campaign, and once again, once again, my wife and I felt that we needed to pledge $100,000, and praise God, we reached our goal in that second period of time. Then, uh, then we had a third three-year pledge. The third time we had the pledge, uh, we, 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 pledged, we pledged on that occasion 50000 over three years, which, praise the Lord, we reached. But I remember when, when we finally reached it, I said, Lord, I don't understand. It was just as difficult to give this, it was just as hard to give this 50000 as it was to give 100000 the other the other pledges. Anyway, after we had a, a fourth three-year pledge and our personal commitment was 75000 for those three years, we rejoiced because the Lord helped us to reach that goal. And then since 2012, We've had our annual one-year pledges during which time my wife and I have pledged $1,100 per month to help pay our church mortgages. Now, across these years, across these years, my wife and I have been open to the Lord's guidance and we have tried to be obedient. We have tried to do what is right, but many times I couldn't understand, all right? I couldn't understand how everything would work out, and some years it was very difficult to reach our pledge goals, but with the Lord's help, we did it, and we praise his holy name. My friends, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, whether it's Joseph, whether it's you, whether it's me, there are times when we have to do what we have to do, and it may not be easy, but we do what we do because we know this is what God is directing us to do. And this, this truth of uh, being open to the Lord's guidance, being willing to obey God and do what is right, applies to you and me in so many other different ways in our lives. For example, for example about, a, about a month ago, my wife's father, Tom, fell and he broke his hip. He broke his hip. He was taken to the Brampton Civic Hospital where he had hip surgery. They placed a steel, um, a steel rod or whatever it's called in his hip, you know, to help it heal up. 
So I, I went to see my father-in-law on the Monday to encourage him, of course, and to pray for him. There are two plazas right beside that hospital, next, one next door, one across the street, and they all have signs. They all have signs saying, no hospital parking. In other words, thou shalt not park there if you're trying to avoid paying the parking charges at the hospital. So I parked, for safety's sake, I parked in the regular hospital parking lot. Now, I think I was at the Brampton Civic Hospital for maybe two to three hours, and uh, when I left, I went to pay at the parking machine and was shocked to discover my parking bill was, it was either $24 or $25. Obviously, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy about paying so much, but sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do, right? Well, the next, time, the next time I drove out to see my father-in-law at the Brampton Civic Hospital, I wasn't there as long. I wasn't there quite as long. Uh, but I thought the parking bill was probably still going to be around uh, 10 or $15. And this time I thought, you know what? I really don't want to pay so much for parking again. And I, I knew I knew that hospital, I knew that that particular hospital gives free parking for ministers. <laughs> they give free parking for ministers if I went to the security office and followed a very simple, brief procedure. Now, I did not go for the free parking on my first visit when it cost me $24 or $25 because technically I was visiting a family member, family member and I didn't want to in any way abuse my privilege as a pastor just to get free parking. Are you with me? All right? On this second visit, however, <clears throat> on the second visit, I said to myself, hey, you know, hey, I, I don't want to pay 10 or $15 for parking again. And um, I thought, you know, he is my family member, but I, I don't go just for a social visit. I don't just go for a social visit. I, I talk with him about spiritual matters, and I pray with him, and I pray for his roommate, and, and sometimes when the nurses are in there, I pray for them and with them as well. And so I thought, you know, it should be okay. It should be okay for me to use my pastor's free parking privilege. So I left. When my visit was over, I left the hospital room determined, determined to go to the security office, show them my ID, and follow the brief procedure to get my free parking. So I left my father-in-law's hospital room. I started walking. You know, I was just very determined. I started walking, walking, walking. I started just walking towards the parking, the parking location. I was just walking, and I thought, I'm not going to be paying big bucks this time. I'm walking, 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 walking. Walking! And then I'm partway there, and uh, I don't know if it was God's spirit or my conscience that said, don't do it. Don't do it. Honest, honestly. I thought, oh no, <laughs> I gotta pay again. I gotta pay again, Mrs. Otar. Anyway, so I, I made a 
total turnaround, turned around, and then headed the opposite direction over to the pay machine to pay for my parking. All right? Now, I didn't tell you that story about parking to boast about what I did. In fact, in fact, some of you probably think I was dumb for not making use of my pastoral parking privilege, right? Some of you, yep, someone says, yep, yep. <laughs> and that's okay that you think that. That's all right, okay? But I told you that story to say, let's be open to the Lord's guidance in our life, right? Let's be willing to obey God and let's do what is right even if we don't understand, even if it is difficult and it costs us time, energy, money, or whatever. You know, I, I'm being honest with you, I really didn't want to pay, pay for that parking. Neither would you, right? Parking at hospitals adds up. And by the way, in case some of you are wondering, no, I'm not going to submit it to our church, you know, to get, to get reimbursed. No, no, not one bit. But I'm just saying, friends, whether it's you or me, there are times when we gotta do what we gotta do, and it costs us time, energy, money, or whatever. And I wanna say to us, this Christmas be open to the Lord's guidance and be obedient. Will you? So here's what we've discovered from Joseph. All right? Some of these truths impact your life today. Number one, no matter who you are, God may choose to use you for a special purpose. Be open. Number two, when faced with making a difficult decision, act in love and make a choice which reduces someone else's pain as much as possible. Let's each one of us do that. Number three, be open to the Lord's guidance in your life, be willing to obey God and do what is right even if you don't understand and even when it is difficult. In closing, let's go back to verse 20 and 21. It says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. My friends, at first, I would be surprised if Joseph fully understood when the angel told him to call the baby Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In time, I do believe that Joseph grasped the truth of what the angel said. And I want to say to you, I invite you today to grasp the truth, the good news, that Jesus, born in a manger, came into this world, as the angel said, to save his people from 
their sins. You and I can be saved from the consequences of our sins. How? As you and I repent of our sins, believe that this baby Jesus, God in the flesh, grew up and was later crucified on the cross of Calvary. He was crucified to pay the price for your sins and mine. And now, as you and I repent of our sins and put our faith and trust in Jesus and trust in him as our Savior, we are forgiven of our sins, adopted into his family, and we receive the promise of heaven. I invite you today to begin to trust in Jesus as the one who saves you from your sins. Let us pray. Lord, we're thankful for the privilege that is ours of knowing that we are saved from the consequences of our sins through faith and trust in Jesus. I pray that you would move upon each one of us by your Spirit to lift us up and draw us to yourself so that we truly begin to have faith in the Christ of Christmas. Let it be so. And Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to apply these truths that we have uncovered from Joseph. Help us to live them out in practical ways on a daily basis for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.